0: There it is! Five seconds left in the You believe in Yes! Unbelievable!
1: You're listening to a podcast from Key Moments in Cold War Sports History, an online archive series showcasing the work of expert historians. I'm Vince Hunt and I'll be hosting the series. If you like these shows, please share them with your friends and colleagues and rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners find us. Dr. Jutta Brown is head of the Centre for Sports History in Berlin and a researcher in the Centre for Contemporary History in Potsdam. Her expertise is in Germany during the Cold War and how sport became an arena of political struggle. And East Germany is a classic example of that, Jutta, isn't it?
0: East Germany was in in the midst of the political struggle and uh, there was a wall going through Berlin, dividing the country. Uh, But the wall also existed uh, in the heads and in all fields of culture, especially in in sports, because uh, the GDR regarded um, sport as a perfect perfect arena of success and of demonstrating a separate identity and of demonstrating the superiority of the socialist system. And so they were very eager to uh, come ahead of the FRG uh, in the Olympic movement.
1: FRG being the Federal Republic of Germany and of course the two countries were divided most significantly, most noticeably by Checkpoint Charlie and the tensions between East and West Germany were perhaps best symbolised by that picture of the tanks facing each other, Soviet and Western tanks facing each other across Checkpoint Charlie. It was a difficult place to live in the late 50s, wasn't it, Berlin?
0: It was a very difficult place uh, to live, uh, especially for people in West Berlin who were cut off from uh, West Germany and who tried to survive in this uh, island city, in this front city. And um, of course also the sport relations of the city uh, were um, hindered by the Soviet Union.
1: What was life like for normal people in both West and East Germany? How did they engage with sport, for example?
0: People from West Berlin could no longer play with people from East Berlin, so uh, long-standing friendships uh, and even clubs uh, that had um, spectators and fans from both parts of the city uh, were suddenly isolated from their original fans.
1: And they were really two separate countries, two separate blocks. There was no competition between the two in, in say, a German national league with teams from east to west. The, the separation was profound.
0: The separation w- was profound. From 1956 to 1964, uh, the two Germanys were forced to start in a joint Olympic team. This was uh, an order by the IOC, to solve the German problem. But uh, both sides were not very happy with the solution. Uh, It was endless quarreling about all kinds of matters. Uh, And uh, so, in 1968, the IOC said, okay, the GDR is allowed to start separately. And from that point on, Uh, The GDR wanted to be better than the FRG, and already in the Summer Games in 1968, they succeeded. Uh, They came in uh, in medal rank uh, in in place 5, and the FRG was only in the place 8. And the interesting thing is, uh, ever since the Games in Mexico City in 1968, the GDR managed to be better than the FRG in every Olympic meeting, be it Summer Games, be it Winter Games. And in 1976 in Montreal, the Olympics in Montreal, uh, the GDR even managed uh, to come ahead of the United States of America. As a small country with only 17 million inhabitants, they proved to be better than the United States. You have to think what that means. And in uh, 1984 in Sarajevo, they even managed to beat the Big Brother Soviet Union which was not uh, an occasion of boundless pleasure for the Big Brother. And um, one of the most important uh, games, of course, have been uh, the games in Munich in 1972, because uh, this competition was held in West Germany, and it was the declared aim of the GDR to beat the class enemy on its own territory. And they did. They came in third, and. Uh, uh, the the west germans uh, had to be satisfied with the fourth place in the medal table
1: just focusing on that period between 56 and uh-huh. 64 how on earth could west germany and east germany have a combined team when there was a big wall going through the middle uh-huh. of berlin
0: yes in the in the beginning in 1956 uh, things were complicated but not so hard but after the building of the wall in 1961 uh, the games that took place in 1964 of course were uh, very hard to manage for both sides in this german team uh, as uh, politics told them that they um, represented completely different ideas ideologies two separate uh, parts of the country of course they were talking in the same language and of course many of them knew each other but the cold war was the cold war line <laughs> the iron curtain was going directly through this team and you couldn't ignore that and because of this um, a lot of quarrels were uh, accompanying this um, united german team Uh, There were fights about uh, who uh, was allowed to start. There were fights about um, athletes who had defected from the east to the west and now wanted to start in the western part of the joint team. And of course the GDR would not allow that. And so there was a constant fight uh, over little and big things so that uh, in the end uh, it was no longer possible to stick to this idea.
1: You mentioned defections and high-profile athletic defections would uh, attract a lot of publicity. Mm. Were there any um, big examples?
0: Yes, there have been many uh, big examples um, in all types of sports, be it footballer, cyclists or swimmer or um, athletes from track and field. Like, for example, Manfred Steinbach, uh, Jürgen Mai. Uh, Falko Goetz. These athletes uh, defected from the GDR and um, the East German uh, State and the Communist Party treated them as traitors, as tracksuit traitors, like they called it in their internal files, Uh, because um, uh, the GDR regarded its athletes As diplomats in a tracksuit. They should represent the country and the socialist ideal uh, and uh, they had to be idols for the people in in, in an ideological way and in a political way and in a social way. And if those role models chose to uh, defect to the class enemy, this was a huge image disaster for the regime. And so uh, the GDR tried to prevent them from getting away, but uh, they uh, did not always succeed. And uh, the athletes used all conceivable ways. Uh, for example, a very prominent case is that of swimmer Axel Mitbauer, who used his own type of sport uh, to escape from East Germany. Uh, he ran into the Baltic Sea and uh, was swimming 22 kilometers to Lübeck, where he was uh, fished out of the water by a, by a West German boat. Well, he was lucky. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, of course, was always a big thing for the press. Uh, in West Germany, he was uh, celebrated as a hero in an, in an athletic and in a political way. And the East German propaganda would, would make him a, t- a traitor, would call him a traitor. Other athletes like Jürgen Mai escaped via Hungary, hidden in a car. Or many used uh, the occasion of Olympic Games or other international competitions to sneak out of the training camp and get away. For example, the the East German gymnast Wolfgang Tüner wanted uh, to defect uh, um, at the occasion of uh, a world championship in Bern in Switzerland and he didn't know how, because he knew no one. And he was asking um, his West German colleague, Eberhard Ginger, who was world champion back then, uh, to help him. He he asked him in the men's washing room and he spontaneously helped him and put him in his car and drove him over over the border uh, to West Germany. And they never talked about this occasion. Because Eberhard Ginger at that time, it happened in 1974, Ginger at that time expected uh, that he would at some day start in Moscow, maybe at the Olympics. And he would have never been allowed to do that if if, uh, the communist bloc knew that he had helped someone who wanted to get away from the GDR. Of course, many footballers uh, used the occasion of international matches to stay away from the GDR. And until today, uh, it is very unclear what happened to Lutz Eigendorf, a very prominent footballer uh, of the GDR, who defected, I think, 1979 and was killed in in a car accident in 1983. And there are some hints in the Stasi files that the Ministry of State Security might have Its hands and its fingers in this in this uh, accident but uh, you can't prove it but what we know is uh, that the regime made use of this accident Um, they told their athletes look at mr eigendorf you see what happened Uh, we are everywhere you don't have to think that uh, you are safe the moment you have crossed the border we will follow you and this was indeed the case when when those people who fled the GDR opened their Stasi files after the fall of the wall, when when the Stasi files were opened, many of them had to realize that uh, the Stasi had followed them all the way into their new cities, into their new homes, had made photos of their of their car, of their girlfriend, of their home, had kept an eye on them. And uh, yes, uh, I think um, they think they have been lucky that not something more serious happens.
1: For the GDR, athletes on an international level would be something of a security risk, but how do you defend against somebody just deciding to jump in a car and head for the border?
0: The GDR um, worked on that problem and uh, the consequence was that uh, the Ministry of State Security grew and grew and grew. And the athletes were not only um, monitored while being in the training camp or, or, or on, on the track and field uh, training place, but but uh, they were monitored in their private life. Uh, their homes uh, were screened. And uh, the, the Stasi always tried to find some hidden contacts to the west uh it was sort of a trauma uh, uh an, a nightmare for for the um, party leadership and um at least two or three athletes um were sort of driven out of the gdr because of this grip of the stasi they did not want to go because they were not satisfied with life in the, G- in the GDR but they could no longer stand this this uh, day and night surveillance uh, by the Ministry of State Security so it was a self-fulfilling thing in the end
1: any mention of the GDR and the Cold War brings around the subject of doping
0: yes as we all know doping is an international problem but um, east germany proved to be very perfect Also in this respect, uh, it was state-organized doping and it was uh, in many respects uh, forced doping. Um, Many athletes, especially young, very young athletes, 12, 13, 14 years old, did not know at all that they were getting doping substances. They were told these are vitamins. Even older athletes uh, were... um, Misguided. And uh, so this whole system was not only a question of sport betrayal or sport fraud, but but it was also um, an example of physical violence. And because of this, many sport officials of the former GDR and also sport doctors and sport coaches have been sensed in the so called Moabit trials. They have been sensed to uh, financial penalties. Or to prison on probation uh, because uh, they had harmed so many people and uh, you had as evidence the many 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 written documents of the Staatssicherheit of the Ministry of State Security in this case uh, it turned out to be very good that the Ministry of State Security had been so correct <laughs> and so detailed when monitoring everything and also monitored the doping complex and, of course, you had um, the evidence of the victims who told their story, the harm that was done to them. And many of them are very ill until today.
1: What drugs were they given and, and how has it affected them?
0: Of course, anabolics were were very widespread at that time, not only in the East, but, but especially there. And you can get a lot of things like uh, liver cancer or heart disease, problems with your blood circulation. Psychological phenomena like depression and something like that. Children who are not healthy. Defects have have been passed on to children and this all had to be taken into account when these officials were sentenced at the end of the 90s.
1: That's another legacy of the Cold War.
0: Yes it's a legacy of the Cold War and it's an awful legacy but in a way, it has its its positive side because um, the insight into the horror of the East German doping system led to a moral outrage re- regarding the whole doping complex, which is extraordinary in Germany and which t- triggered a broader dis- discussion about doping. And for example, two former athletes of the GDR, Ines Geipel and Gesine Tettenborn, officially said that they want wipe away their former world records from GDR Times from the year 1984 because it were tainted records. And they don't want that the youth uh, is looking at unrealistic highs because, for example, the record of Ines Geipel is valid until today from the year 1984. So you can imagine the effect that the substances had. And they asked uh, the uh, Sports Federation um, to delete this record from the now all-German sporting annals. But the Federation was very half-hearted. They deleted the names and put a little star in the place, but uh, the record itself remained untouched. (laughs) So it's the logic of higher, faster, better, that is of course uh, still intact everywhere. But uh, doping has become more scandalized than it has ever been in the 70s or in the 80s. And I think a good part of the discussion that we have today, for example, about Russia, stems from the East German experience. In Germany, uh, the, the doping that recently came to light re- regarding Russia is very often compared to the East German doping system. And of course, in Russia or other Eastern European states, you have never had this input of coming to terms with the past as you had it in Germany. In Germany, it was easier because the two states came together and people were encouraged to speak out. I I I think maybe in Russia or, or in other Eastern European states, there is a stronger national tradition to not... Um, talk about the secrets of the past
1: one of the outcomes of the Cold War was the unification of Germany and in a way you've been able to come to terms with the Cold War in Germany and, and all its particular manifestations such as the wall and the defections and etc etc how has Germany managed to reconcile this Cold War history
0: I think it's still struggling with this uh, with this big challenge to come to terms with the past because it has so many uh, different aspects there is this huge problem of former entanglement with the ministry of state security there are many athletes or coaches or sports officials who had contacts with the state security and they are not proud of it but they say, we we want to have a proper position in today's sport. In 25 years, after unification, this must be possible. But the victims say, no, you don't have to have a top position in, in sports. Uh, you, you should do something else. So there is a is a fierce struggle about the so-called Stasi past and the human damage that was done by this intelligence service. And the other big complex is, of course, doping because many of the villains have been sentenced uh, have been taken to the court but there is still maybe a mentality that says well the east german doctors and coaches did the same like the rest of the world did and it is and it is very hard to explain that this was doping under special condition that this was doping in a dictatorship that uh, the athletes did not all agree to it some of some of them did some of them did but uh, not all of them and surely not the children you always have to keep in mind these circumstances in uh, today's discussion this is not always uh, taken into account
1: You've been listening to a podcast from the series Key Moments in Cold War Sports History, a project bringing together experts from around the world and hosted here on the Wilson Centre's online digital archive at digitalarchive.org.